Well, hey, what's up, Ascent? My name is Maurice Cox. I serve as one of the pastors here on staff. Today, I have the awesome opportunity of concluding our entire series that we've been in. That's right, for the past five to six weeks, we've been in a series entitled, Make It Matter. What does it look like to make our faith matter? We've covered topics like prayer, forgiveness, loving our neighbor as ourselves, blind spots, and how that impacts our faith. And today, what I'm excited to talk about what I believe the Holy Spirit has been pressing upon my heart is the topic of lament. Lament? What is lament? What does that even mean? Well, hold your horses. That's exactly what today is going to be about. That's what I want to cover. But not only what is lament, what is grief, sorrow, how, how does that all interact, but also how do we incorporate lament in our regular ebb and flow of life? And I believe what's even greater that we're going to cover today is simply what does our life look like when we don't lament? How are we impacted when we don't have lament in our ebb and flow of life? See, I'd argue that not only is our soul damaged, not only do we miss out on healing, but we miss out on the full life with Jesus Christ. That's right, when we don't lament, we miss out on a full life with Jesus. Now, I'm just gonna give you a little teaser, just an appetizer, hold your horses. I'm just an appetizer for the moment, but I wanna flush that out a little bit more. I wanna bring us a little bit closer to that topic before we start today. Before, as a kid, I, I was taught a scripture, uh, even before I was a Christian. I wasn't even a Christian at the time, but growing up where I was way back then, there was a time when you would ask a question simply, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? And everybody would know what that was. It was John 11, verse 35. And that was Jesus wept. That's right, two simple words, Jesus wept. Today, when it comes to lament, I believe these two words have so much power. Not only do we see Jesus in his full humanity, not only do we see Jesus show us some amazing, an amazing side of him, but it's an invitation. It's an invitation to us all. See, when we are invited to the fullness of Jesus and his full humanity, we are actually invited to come with our full humanity. And yes, that includes lament, grief, sorrow. When it comes to this particular topic, I'm so excited because these two words, Jesus wept, shows us a lot. How does Jesus, I mean the Messiah, the, the King of Kings, the one that stood the test of time, the one who has the greatest story of all time, the, the one who in some scripture talks about as a lion and describes him as one who is, is almighty, weeps? That's right. And he not only weeps because he is in his full humanity, but he weeps in this moment because it's an invitation to us all. So what does that look like for us? Because if you haven't opened that invitation, if you haven't responded to that invitation, what happens? What does that look like? Because not only is it an invitation to Jesus' full humanity, but I believe this is an invitation to lament. And today, that's what we talk about. Because if Jesus had enough full humanity, full knowledge, full wisdom to recognize I need space even in my faith with God to have place of sorrow, to have a place to let it out, to have a place to let go of that grief, to not just hold up all this pent up emotion and there's a space where I can lament. If he knew that he had to do that, what about us? When's the last time you lamented? Well, this isn't gonna be about a judgment or condemnation because I am on my own journey and I wanna share that with you today. And I wanna show all of us what it means to make it matter and lament. That's what we talk about today. We're gonna all make it matter and lament.
Well, good morning, Ascent. If you heard me a little bit earlier, uh, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And today I get the awesome opportunity of talking about the topic of lament. Now, this isn't a popular topic, nor is it one that we talk about a lot in church, which later on I'd argue is part of the problem. But today is a day that I think is going to be very important because it may not be something that is popular or trendy or something that we hear very often, but it is one that when we look at Scripture, it's talked about a lot. It's talked about a lot, a lot. Something that we see not only in the Old Testament, but we see it in the life of Jesus. And that's where we're going to be sitting today. But before we get to any of those things, I want to just give us a working definition of what lament is. Because if it's something that's not popular, then I want us to give us a, a working definition so that we're all starting from the same place. Because I believe I'm going to be saying lament a lot today. And the last thing I want you to do is be thinking one thing and me thinking one thing. And those are two, those are two different things. So the working definition for lament that we're going to start off with today is simply this right here. A prayer in pain where I turn to God. Lament, at its core, is a prayer in pain where we can turn to God. Now, I say that lament is not something that's very popular. I say that it's something that we're not always talked about. But I believe that many people in this room are actually closer to the topic of lament than you think you are. Like you actually grasp what lament is more than you may think that you do. I say that because you don't have to go too far into culture and music to see the top songs, the top greatest hits, the big playlist of music and culture without seeing some songs on that list that are filled with sadness, that are filled with sorrow, that put language to our human suffering in a poetic and beautiful way. We've all had these different moments where we've seen these songs. And as I was beginning to study, I began to think about these songs because it was actually a part of my faith journey. See, a long time ago, I took a step closer to the Christian community because I had this bad breakup that I went through, and I was with a young lady at the time, and we were on and off, and she had moved across the stage as soon as we graduated, and I thought my life was over. I mean, I thought it was done. I was boohooing. I was crying. I was right out of high school, all these different things. And what do we do in those moments sometimes? For whatever reason, I decided to play a sad song. I don't know why we decide I'm already in the pits. Let me keep playing sad music that'll even dig me even deeper in my sorrow and in my pain. And I was talking to a high school student not too long ago, and they were telling me I was talking about this topic. And they were saying, yeah, Maurice, I totally get what you're saying, because uh, I totally have a feels playlist. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah, my feels playlist. I was like, okay. So feels, F-E-E-L-S, pretty much is a curated playlist that they put together that has them reminisce and think about bad times and brings them into a place of sorrow and crying. Why anybody opts into that, I have no clue. But there is this playlist. And I laughed at that, but I couldn't laugh too much because that's exactly what happened to my life on the, during that breakup. See, it was probably about 11, 12 years ago, and I was in my 2007 Dodge Charger. I remember like it was yesterday. I got in the car, closed the door, the lights went dim, and I played this song on repeat right here. Wait for it. Come on, LL Cool J fans. When I'm alone, alone in my room, room sometimes I stare, I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call, telling me I need a girl that's as sweet as a dove. For the first time in my life, I think I need love. I need love. Okay, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. LL Cool J, I Need Love. That was my song that I had to keep playing on repeat, okay? 
All right, that was my song that I played on repeat. Now, maybe that didn't make it to your playlist, okay? That, maybe that didn't make it to your playlist, but that was that, that line right there, that opening sentence was it right there. At the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call, right? That's, I need love, I needed love at the back then, okay? But maybe that didn't make it to your playlist. Maybe what made it to your playlist was this song right here. Wait for it, come on. Rest in peace, Paul Walker, people, come on. This is Fast and Furious fans out there. Come on, you know this. It's been a long day without you, my friend. Here we go. Am I sharp or am I flat? Am I sharp or am I flat? Okay, don't worry about it. Cut it, cut it, cut it. It's another sad song. We play these sad songs. Maybe that was something that didn't play to your list. Now, here at Ascent, if you're new here, you got to get used to me a little bit. Uh, I am the chocolate brother on staff. So every now and then, I feel it uh, upon my duty. Uh, to be a cultural educator, so to speak, okay? So maybe those things weren't on your playlist, but maybe if you ever, for whatever reason, find yourself at a black funeral, this will be the song that you hear that brings you to tears. How do I oh, come on, boys to men, fans. To what we had. Okay, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. How do I say goodbye to what we had? Isn't that a lyric right there? How do I say goodbye? I don't know how to say goodbye. Wham, 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 boo, 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 okay? Maybe those wasn't the things. I actually ended the playlist there, but then I had to think to myself, I actually have to include all generations so everybody can understand what I'm kind of leaning into in this moment. So I added one more in there. Come on, listen to this right here. Oh, come on. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Okay, cut it. Quickly cut it. Like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Like, I was listening. Somebody sent me this and was like, you should throw this in there. And I was like, I guess if everybody don't know it, but geez, hello, darkness, my old friend. I was like, just the opening line right there is just like, these are songs out there in culture that we see bring people to a sad place. Now, I didn't bring up these playlists so that we can swap playlists or talk about music that you have or that I have, but I bring up these songs because I believe no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, the thing that unifies us all is a gospel of hard times. You don't even have to believe in God to recognize that there is a gospel of hard times, that there is a place in, a, in this world that you will come to and recognize that you have to face suffering, sorrow, Grief. It's a part of the human experience that we will go through things that bring us to our knees, things that cause us to face dark seasons, moments that break us down. The pressures of life begin to weigh us down so much, and things that we never bargained for, we now are wrestling with. Things that get so tough in life, we begin to question life. We begin to ask questions like, why me, and how, and why so long, O Lord? These things will push us to a place of recognizing we will all go through certain seasons in our life of pain. We'll face the loss of a loved one. In 2020, we've seen so many of these different things come to the forefront of all of our lives. Some of you have been faced with things like not even being able to go to the funeral of a loved one that was just passed away. Some of you have got the news that cancer has come. Some of you have faced the news that cancer has returned. 
There's a few more things I want to mention, and I think that sometimes we're a little bit hesitant to talk about these deep things. But I'm a firm believer that if we can't mention, if we can't talk about some of those deep subjects, those heart-wrenching subjects, then why are we even here? See, if we're going to just be a community that only talks about surface things but never talks about some of the things that many people face in life, then that only shows us that, that, only, that only projects that there's a God that only deals with surface things. But I'd argue the opposite. There's people in this room who has faced church hurt. People have weaponized scripture to you or a certain community and caused pain. There's people under the sound of my voice that have been abandoned, rejected. People who have, under the sound of my voice who have been sexually abused in situations where you've been facing domestic violence. We face these things and we recognize that there's moments, testing one, two. We face these things and we recognize that we all will hold, we all will hold to these different things and face them in our world. The question becomes that if we're going to face hard times, if we recognize that pain will be a part of our lives, the question I have for us on today where do we go with that? What do we do with this grief and this frustration that many of us face? I'm not talking to the perfect Christians in the room. I'm not talking to the people who always have some sort of cookie-cutter answer to every sort of situation. I'm talking to the people in the room that recognize you're carrying something heavy that you don't always have the answers for, and for whatever reason, there's a block I think this is important for us to talk about today because my hope is not that we all have some answer. My hope is at the end of this, when you walk out of this room today, when it comes to this subject of lament, I pray that you recognize that not only is there a playlist full of Adele and Taylor Swift, but there is a playlist that Jesus Christ is inviting us all to press play on, and that is the playlist of lament. See, if we don't have lament a part of our regular ebb and flow of life, if this is not a part of our regular rhythms, then I can guarantee you that we are only people who are walking around with what one theologian would call emotional constipation. Quite the imagery, isn't it? It's not a topic that I honestly want to always talk about either. I'm an Enneagram 7. I always love laughing. I always love joking. I don't want to get anywhere near emotions. I don't want to get anywhere deep. And I remember I was confronted with a friend one time. We were talking. And you know the church lingo. Oh, how's it going? How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. Things are all right. And I'm just doing my thing all the way through. And everybody's just telling me, all right, I'm doing all right. And then I get to one of my friends. And he says, I'm not doing good today. And for whatever reason, I was kind of thrown off like, wait, why did you say that? And I was like, well, Maurice, you asked him how he's doing. But we get in a mode, we get in a certain setting where we begin to think that only good can come out of people's mouths. Only tell me the blessing. Only tell me the thing that you've overcome. But where do people go if they cannot wrestle, if they, with the things that they're wrestling with, where do people go when they suffer with grief? When they feel alone and lonely? See, if we're going to be a Christian community, then we have to recognize that this is a portion of the Christian life, that when it comes to the topic of lament, if we never lean into this hard topic, then we will be people who not only damage our souls, but we miss out on an entire beauty. We miss out on entire intimacy with Jesus because he's our example. 
In the video, I mentioned a portion where Jesus wept, the scripture that I was taught as a young kid. Now, I didn't think much of it then, but as I get older, to see a weeping savior, to see a man that I look up to, to see a man in his full humanity show what it means to walk in the regular rhythms of a person who's following after God, even though you may face hard times, you can cry. You can go ahead and let that out. You can take that grief somewhere. But it wasn't only in that scripture that I mentioned earlier that Jesus cried, but Jesus began to weep in another passage. And that's where I want to sit today is in this passage that I'm going to read to you. This passage that I'm going to read to you to give just a little context is where Jesus is on his way to the cross. Now, many times we get excited, we celebrate, we get all joyous about resurrection. Jesus made his way out. He got the keys to the tomb, thumbs up, way to go, Jesus. You're our savior. Now, I'm not going to be, excuse me, I don't want to be like, to diminish that. I don't want to make that something that's uh, um, trivial is the word I was looking for. But the point I'm trying to get at, the way, I, the way I said it, the reason why I said it that way is because we don't ever look at what took place before then. We rarely ever look at his life before then of how much he began to be in anguish, how much he began to actually not want to go to the cross. Some of the things that he faced in his anxiety of being worried about what's next, but standing in his presence, not wanting to go to this cross. Let's read this passage, and I'll detail it. I'm actually going to read it twice because I want us to slow down and capture what Jesus is telling us. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, it says these words right here. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther, bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet... I want your will to be done, not mine. Now, as I read this a second time, I want you to slow down a bit to just capture what is happening. Capture and hear the words as Jesus is wrestling in this moment inside. His soul was happening emotionally, was taking place with him in his full humanity, take a moment to just stop looking at Jesus as only a person who's king, only a person who's Messiah, who has it all together, only a person who knows all things and is all things. Stop, take for a moment and look at Jesus in his humanity because that's exactly what he came to. Jesus is an example and he shows us not only his godness, but he also shows us his humanness. And if we don't wrestle, if we don't capture what he's doing in this moment, then we will never enter into a space to recognize, maybe lament is for me as well. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, check this out right here. He turns to his friends. He's talking to his friends. He told them what's happening on the inside of him. Have you ever been in a place where you know you just can't handle it yourself, that you've got to let some of this off to those that are around you? 
Jesus in his humanity is recognizing, I need to share some of this that's happening all on the inside of me. A community of people who can hold the things that I'm having on the inside. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus goes on a little farther, bowed his face to the ground, puts his face into a place that what we would imagine as dirt and sits there, bowed down with his forehead to the ground. The Bible says that he began to pray. My father, if it is possible, if it is possible, I don't want this to take place. If it is possible, let this cup of suffering Watch the language be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. We see in this moment of Jesus inviting us, not just to his current moment of what he's facing, but we see see Jesus in a place of lament. We see Jesus wondering, what do I do with this grief? What happens when I have all of this inside turmoil that's taking place in my life? Well, if you're taking notes, I just want to just go ahead and throw this out there to you. What we see from the life of Jesus is that he takes it somewhere. He has a place to take it. What's the difference between me just crying in my Dodge Charger and lament? We have a God with arms big enough where he, he's, he, he embraces and invites the full range of our emotions to come to him. And Jesus recognizes, I can't just tell my friends, that's an amazing thing, to have community walking with you that you can share your personal problems with. But in the Christian community, God is saying, I have a place and I've given you language to actually process all that you're going through. And here's the kicker. Jesus, he presses on this a little bit and says, don't hold back. Don't hold back in your prayer language and thinking that this is a place for perfect people with perfect language and you got to say all the right things. And if you don't say all the right things, then you feel like you're a failure. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, don't hold back. See, for some of us who grew up like I did, where you don't question God, we look at Jesus's life and see him saying, God, why have you abandoned me? questioning. Because with us in the Christian community, we have a place to take our grief. Jesus actually invites us. He actually gives us the language of lament to come to him with those frustrations and begin to think about, begin to process with him, cast those cares on him. The next question I have for us is that if we see this in Scripture, if we see this all throughout the book of Psalms, if we see it in the life of Jesus, if we see it in the life of Paul, if we see it embedded all throughout Scripture and it shows up in Scripture, my question to you is, where does lament show up in your life? Where has lament showed up for you? When's the last time you took your grief somewhere? If 2020 has not showed us anything, it has showed us, gosh, all the things I'm feeling, all the things I'm carrying, is there any place that I can take this? Is there a place that I can take my grief and my sorrow? And Jesus shows us that not only is it a prayer, not only is lament a prayer, because he says he bowed his face to the ground and he began to pray. Not only is lament prayer, but lament is a space where we can go to God and God invites it all. 
the anger, right? In, in a sense, one theologian would write and say that we can beat our hands on the chest of God and tell him all that we're facing. So if it shows up in scripture, why doesn't it show up in your life? Why doesn't it show up in my life? I'm not here to indict you. Once again, I'm talking about my own journey. And I'll also ask, why doesn't it show up in our Christian churches? Lament this topic. I can guarantee you if I asked and took a poll right now, how many people have heard a, a frequent lament uh, uh, sermons and topics and Bible studies and things on this topic? Not many. I haven't. I'm a pastor in seminary right now. And I think there's a problem there. Because if we continue to shape and equip people that are in the Christian community and are people that are seeking some sort of faith and things like that, then we only project this sort of faith that is only for the spiritual or only for the, uh, the happy things, only for the good things. Like I was with my friend, whoa, 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 why did you tell me the bad stuff? And there's people in our lives that are coming through these doors and feeling as if they have to leave a portion of their emotions at the door because this isn't where, our, this isn't where a place where I should let that out. But shouldn't it be? Shouldn't we continue to be a people that recognize we are flawed and recognize that we are imperfect but recognize that we face things in this world that will beat us up and point to a point where we need to let go of some of that? to a point where we need to let our community, a point where we need to pray, and our prayer is not all happy and beautiful and blissful, but it's actually, Lord, why have you abandoned me? Take this cup of suffering from me. The same language that we see in Jesus' life. See, I, part, I believe that part of our problem is exactly what this professor named Sung Chan Ra, he wrote a book called Prophetic Lament, and when he wrote this book, he begins to detail some of these things. And I wrote a quote down that I want to read to you. He says this right here, the Western American evangelical culture moves too quickly to praise from lament. We do not hear from all the voices in the American context. Instead, watch this, we opt for quick and easy answers to complex issues. We want to move on to the happier message of success and triumph and cover up the message of suffering. We want to move on to the message of success. He calls it this, uh, this Christian triumphalism, that we love that message, that that's all we put out, and even in our worship songs, all that we put out is just this, we've made it to the other side. But the regular flow of people's life is not always making it to the other side. So what do we do with those? What do we do with the message of suffering? What do we do with the message of grief? If all I do is come into the Christian church, or all I do is turn on music, and all I hear is everything is made into this happy, glorious moment. Now, this isn't a popular topic, and it's not trendy, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news that brings the message that's a little bit more weighty today. But I feel such a call and such a burden and a press in my spirit that if we don't deal with lament, if we don't press play on the playlist of lament, then like I said earlier, we begin to be people who walk around with emotional constipation. Now, I brought this huge rock up here, this boulder that's really heavy, 
to give a little bit of a visual for us on today. If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down. <laughs> that when we don't have the language of lament, it's inevitable that we will have a hardened heart. When we don't have the language of lament in our regular flow of life, it's inevitable that we'll have a hardened heart. So today, I brought your heart up on stage. For many of us, we're sitting in this room and this is exactly what our soul looks like. And the only thing that we can say is, man, I just feel this heaviness and man, this, this, some things are getting down, I, you know, I feel like I'm getting down on me and, and, and we do things to distract us, right? Maybe if I you know, start working out again, maybe if I get a little bit more healthier, maybe if I set my routine, maybe if I begin to do these different things, maybe if I set my schedule, I can you know, be a little bit more let go. Maybe if I get back to my hobby, yeah, that's it, man. I haven't been back to my hobby in about five years. All things that are fine, but all things that are distractors and never press us into a place of lament. Because let's be honest, lament is a place of discomfort. Lament is a place where we have to face the reality of life, the suffering of life. We have to grieve over our sin, corporate sin. We have to grieve over things in our life, in our world, injustices that we see. It takes us to a place where we have to actually deal with it. And when we don't, and we come in here, and we think that we can sing our pain away, once again, I'm not trivializing worship, but if you think that you're just going to come in and have a good song up front, and then maybe a little slower song later on, and then you think that this is going to go away, or you think that I joined core group and maybe that'll work. Once again, I'm not putting those things down. Those are all things that actually help us take steps in our faith. But if you think that you can avoid lament, if you think that you can go on and think that you can sign up for the serving team, and I joined the A team, and I'm helping out with high school ministry, and I'm helping students in mentoring with them in this, and I'm actually helping out in kids ministry, and I actually decided to serve and do these different things, and I'm helping out with our Chief Hayes project. And then you got to a place in your life, you will come to a place in your life where this thing doesn't work. This Christian thing, this is just a bunch of bogus stuff. This is just a bunch of people who are fake. And we get to this place in our life where our hearts are so hardened and we feel as though God is distant and we don't hear from him. What if he's been talking the whole time, but he's only talking in the place of lament? What if the place that he can be found is that place of grief and mourning because he's looking at you as a place of recognizing it's when you step into your lament season that you can get a little bit more intimate with me? What if your next season of finding out where God is or who he, more of who he is is in your place of lament, your place of tears, your place of suffering, the last place you want to go? And I'm holding this, and it's getting heavy, and, and I'm shifting postures in this moment. But isn't this what we do? That, that life is a little bit heavy, but I'm going to normalize this dysfunction and shift my pain over here. And I'm going to work out a little bit more, wake up a little bit earlier, and it feels good for a moment, and then it shows up again. And I'm going to get back to church, and I'm going to go every Sunday now, because Lord knows 
I ain't even going every Sunday. So I'm going to go every Sunday now. I'm going to just go back and I'm going to get tuned in online. I'm going to tune in online again. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm going to watch the whole thing. And so it'll show up again. And we'll, we can do this our entire life, all we want, and keep shifting postures and keep shifting the dysfunction and normalizing and not knowing our hearts are going to stay the same if we never find our place in a place of lament. And today, Ascent, my encouragement to all of us is that what Jesus shows us in his story right before he goes to the cross is that he was heavy, he was suffering, he was anxious, he was facing some tough moments to the point, the Bible says, that his tears turned into blood. You think you're suffering. Have you got to that place yet? Jesus is our example, and he shows us that he is facing tough times, but he's our example that we can take our things to a place. Lament is not only a prayer, but lament is a space that we can take our voice and our suffering, and we don't have to hold back of our frustration and our anger and that emotional constipation that we have. Because I can guarantee you this. That if we don't deal with our grief, if we don't deal with our sorrow, and we think that we can just kick that can down the road, maybe it's not showing up in one area, but it's going to show up in another area. It'll show up in another area of your life. If we don't properly deal, if we don't properly face those tough moments in life. So lament is a prayer. Lament is not only a prayer, but if we don't have the regular language of lament in our life, then lament, then our hearts become hardened. Wrote down a few more things. Then I actually want to set aside some time to actually sit in the little bit of a discomfort. As I begin to study and lean into this topic a little bit more, once again, I'm putting myself on the line, not a person who wants to enter into this space. I'd rather things just stay easy, let's just be cordial. But I begin to see that prayer, excuse me, lament is a choice. And oftentimes we think to ourselves that lament is going to choose us. We have to choose lament. I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago, and we began to talk about some different things. And I actually got to a place where I felt a little comfortable, so I started to let a little bit of the, the, the stuff that I was dealing with out. And I began to talk with her a little bit more, a little bit more. And she began to say, Maurice, when's the last time you grieved over that? And of course, in my like playful Enneagram extroverted self, I'm like <laughs> grieved over it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what do you mean? And she says, no, I'm, just, I'm being honest. I mean, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. You had transition here, this loss. Took time to grieve over that. I was confronted with this question, making me come to a place recognizing I have to choose this. Or I'll just walk around with the person with a heart like this. I have to choose this. I have to choose to go to that place. What did Jesus do? He's talking to his friends, and he makes the decision to go bow his face to the ground, pray to the Lord, and lament. He chose to lament. He pushes himself to this place of lamenting. 
If we don't deal with lament in our day and age, in our Western culture community, if we don't deal with lament, then we will continue to equip people and plant other churches and go missionary to other places and have send off people and send money to missionaries and do all these different things, all the while continuing to equip people that compartmentalize their faith and their emotions. That I have to leave my, my, my negative emotions at the door and come in with a happy, smiling face. Because in order to be faithful to the Lord, in order to be a person of faith, in order to be a person who's following after Jesus, in order to be a person who walks through life as a faithful person, maybe I just have to go over here and mask it all and leave my emotions somewhere else. This is why I believe we have people in our world that are opting out of church, deciding that they will deal with their emotions and their pain outside of God. I'm going to find out all the things. I'll wrestle with my pain, figure out who God is outside of church. Because we have come to a place and we begin to project this sort of culture where when it comes to wrestling with all the hard things, we don't necessarily do that. So today, as I talk about lament and I press into lament being a choice, another question that I must ask is how much have you compartmentalized faith with my emotions? Emotions like anger and frustration. Let me take it a little bit further. How much have I compartmentalized my faith and my questions? Can somebody really be a Christian if they doubt? I mean, I, mean, I got these questions, and I, I don't know. I'm wrestling with who God is. I'm kind of seeing these things in Scripture. I don't know how much of it lines up, and I'm trying to figure out this and that. Can I let you know that there's a place to do all of that within the Christian community? But for whatever reason, we're like, uh-uh, ooh-ooh, you don't, girl, you don't believe, uh-uh. You don't know all the tenets. You don't know all the things. You don't know who the Septuagint is. You don't know what this is. No, 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 uh-uh, you out. You don't know what this is. Wait, wait, you questioning. What you questioning God for? No, we don't question God. And if we continue to be that type of people, then we have people who are deciding, I'll find God outside of church. What kind of mess is that? Well, I say it's on us. How much have you compartmentalized your faith and your questions? My last point that I've wrote down is not only is lament a prayer, not only is lament a choice, but lament... It's a space for solidarity. We see scripture point us and lean us into a space of mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. You want to know what's one of those areas where we can begin to find ourselves in solidarity? Because sometimes things don't impact me directly, but I see it as an out there issue or an out there problem. And I'm like, man, that's tough. What does it look like to actually take a step closer? What does it look like to actually have a place of solidarity with the person? Can I tell you that you can lament with those that lament? Maybe the community that you're a part of is not impacted. Maybe the community that you're a part of is not facing injustice. Well, maybe there's something that you can step into is actually leaning into the area of lament. I've had many questions this past year of, Maurice, what does it mean to stand in solidarity? I don't have all the answers, and some things I disagree with, and some things I agree with, but I know that this is a human being, and I love them human being, no matter who they are, and I want to be with them in their moment of crying and suffering. Well, can I let you know? That when you choose to lament, even though it's something that doesn't directly impact you, 
It doesn't have to be something that's personal, but it can be something that is, that is corporate. It can be something that is community-driven. Mourn with those that mourn. Weep with those that weep, a.k.a. lament with those that lament. And a place that will bring you to a place where your heart's really in a place where you don't know what to do, let me encourage you that if you ever want to enter into a dangerous place, go ahead and pray the prayer, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Keep that prayer in front of you on a daily basis. Allow those words and that prayer to sink down into your heart and watch what takes place. Watch what begins to shape you. Watch what begins to actually trigger you. What, watch what, how things begin to actually shape you. When we keep Christ and his message first and not all of the cultural message and not all of the sound bites of different things taking place, but when we put God's message in front of us, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Brace yourself. You thought you wasn't a person that was a person who lamented. You thought you wasn't a person who shed tears. Lament is not only a prayer, lament is not only a choice, but lament is a space for solidarity. As the band makes their way to the stage, this last moment that we have together, I actually shortened a little bit of my sermon because I want to opt into leaning into this moment under the umbrella of remembrance. Lament is also a space to remember. And as we look upon this weekend, Memorial Day being tomorrow, and as we celebrate, how much of us just view it as a three-day weekend? Uh-oh, just mess with your barbecue. Just mess with your Memorial Day sale where you go shopping. Now, I'm not here to, come on, you, if you know me, you know me. I'm not here to be this downer where we got to put on uh, sackcloth and ashes and walk around with our heads down in constant mourning, and, and we got to walk around as people that's just sad, and we can't wear a smile on our face, or we can't be people that are hopeful. Now, I'm not saying that in the least bit. I, I hope you hear my words on today. I, I'm simply saying that what is the rather regular rhythm in our life of remembrance? Moments where we stop and we pause to remember what has taken place, what has been taken from us. 2020 has been a year filled with so much that has caused me to have to choose lament. Because I got into a place where I don't know what to do with it anymore. And I've been strong as I can, and I've been strong in, in carrying all of this, and, I, and I've been as much macho as I can be macho, and I've come to the wit's end of recognizing I'm at the end of myself, and that's exactly where God wants me. Because this past year, my grandfather passed away. One of the first male voices in my life that has shaped me, that has molded me, that has reared me into being a man of, after God's own heart. My grandma got a stroke and couldn't walk anymore, could barely talk. The woman who was the only person of faith in our early years as a family on both sides of the family that kept pointing us in the direction of Jesus, even when I dismissed her, even when I didn't want to hear what grandma was talking about. This woman of power, this matriarch. Some of you know the story of Maisha and I on this journey 
trying to have a baby and not having the results that we would like and the time that we would like. Wrestling, questioning, is there something wrong with us? What's happening? What's going on? I don't know what to do with this. Trying to be, there, be the strong person for both of us, but not knowing all that I need to do, knowing I need to take this somewhere. Knowing I need to grieve. And I'd be remiss to not be a pastor who just shared what's on my heart with you. To recognize that we just came upon the one-year anniversary of the death and tragedy of a man named George Floyd. Now, we're a church that is very diverse and around across the board of all sorts of things, and I'm not here to tell you what you need to grieve about, and I'm definitely not here to, tell, to let you tell me what I need to grieve about. I'm just in this moment expressing to you what my 2020 is filled with into my 2021. Things that have caused me to come to a breaking point. And today, as we lean into this next moment, I want to lean into this moment of remembrance. We're going to have just a small portion of music and scripture. And I want you to just stay seated. You don't even have to stand up. If you want to stand up, that's totally fine. But in this next moment, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get something on your mind that this message has brought up for you. That maybe something has come up in your mind of like, hmm, that's, that's probably a place I need to go to with that. Maybe I need to think about lamenting that or maybe I need to grieve over this. And I'm not telling you you need to fool out in this moment. But what's crossed your mind? What has come up for you? Is that a person? Is that a loss of a loved one? Is that a current situation that you're in, an injustice that you see in our world? Where is that for you? Is that personal sin that you're grieving, that you're dealing with and you're trying to get over? What has come up for you in this moment? And as we think about remembrance and as we take a moment to slow down, as we take a moment to reflect, I want you to know that lament doesn't always have to end in sorrow. Lament is not without hope. And these songs, these lyrics that we're going to be singing in this next moment, let them be sung over you. And I want you to know and I want you to grasp onto that many times when people begin to lament, every so often, they connect their lament with their hope in Jesus Christ. That I have all these questions, I'm in this in-between, I don't know what's on the other side, I'm wrestling, my soul is crushed, and yet your will be done, not mine. My heart is broken, I don't know what to do with this suffering. Maurice, I can't get over this sin, it keeps coming up, I don't know what to do with this, and yet, Lord, I read that you're so faithful. I've experienced your faithfulness. I'm facing something, and yet I'm holding on. I want that to be what this next moment is about. So think about that thing, and make sure that you hold on to the hope that Jesus Christ is inviting us into a place of lament, because he knows that when we experience the lament in his arms, it's better than we can experience lament anywhere else. That when we experience lament in his presence, when we come to him with our pain and our suffering, our frustration and our anger, he's big enough to hold it. And maybe your spouse isn't, and maybe your job isn't, and maybe your friends aren't, but he is. 
My prayer for every single one of us is that we press play on the playlist of lament. Enter into this next moment with us.